Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich, and today I have with me Jody W. Jody is a resilience expert, and yes, I said W because I cannot pronounce this wonderful Australian last name. Uh, she's a resilience expert and is really fascinated with teaching others how to experience a resilient life. So, Jody, I'm going to let you tell a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do and why you do it. And, uh, and let's let the audience know what it is it about resilience that makes you tick. Yep, beautiful. Thank you for having me on, Ari. So um, what I focus on, as I said, as you said, is resilience. So that's resilience from people building their own resilience um, and it's also from leaders building their own resilience, but also leading in a way that... Um... Let's define resilience for a second. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I look at resilience in two kind of ways. So the first way is as much as possible, staying calm when things happen in your life. So... Um, we were talking about kids a minute or two ago. So just say that the kids um, are fighting, um, you're trying to get ready for work, but they're fighting and you need to get food organised, whatever. So there's certain stresses in life as much as possible staying in that state of calm. And there's various things you can do to help facilitate that. But the reality is we're all human and very few people on the planet live in a state of Zen 24-7. So the other side of it is when we are actually um, feeling stressed and our resilience is being tested, recognising that sooner rather than later and bringing ourselves back to a calm state as quickly as possible because that second side, recognising it and then bringing back to calm is, um, yeah, critical Critical awesome. turning point, yeah. Okay, so why do you think people should be more aware of uh, how resilience works in their own lives? And, you know, both personal, business, social, but what do you think, why do you think it's important for people to even recognize whether they're resilient or not? Yep, absolutely. Um, so there's a couple of different reasons why it's really, really important. To start with, it's linked with a lot of um, health issues. Um WebMD.com, I think, said between 70 and 95% of doctors' visits, I'd have to verify that, but I'm pretty sure it was between 70 and 95. They said doctors' visits are somehow related to stress. So that's either directly like person goes to the doctor and says, I'm stressed, can you help me? Or indirect, because there's a lot of um, long-term, and I'm not medical qualified, but um, so please don't take this as advice, but there are a lot of long-term um, health issues with being in a state of stress because the state of stress changes things physiologically in it. So things like blood flow to the, to the, um, the core organs um, doesn't go as well because if we're living in that stress state we're living in fight or flight the blood flow goes to the extremities so and there's a whole heap of other physiological things so 
Kelsey's okay. definitely so, part so of hold it. on a second. So yeah, it, it sounds like you're talking about emotional res re resilience as the only form of resilience that we're talking about in this context. So I just wanna, I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm being correct. Are we only talking about emotional resilience or are we talking about physical resilience, financial resilience? We're we talking about other forms of resilience. Okay, it's a good it's a good question. So my focus, um, you've correctly picked, is more on the emotional resilience, but things like you said, financial resilience, making sure you've got um, like a buffer that you can fall back on if things go bad, that sort of stuff. Yes, does is important. Um, and strangely enough, they're all kind of intermingled. So if you have um, resiliency built into your relationships in your life, it means that you handle stresses in your life better and there's probably not as many stresses. So, yeah, but you're def you've picked it definitely. My focus is more emotional resilience. Okay, so, so let's get really deep and dark into the, the dirt of resilience, emotional resilience. So um, let's just go through a mass of a litany of, of traumas that are possible, right? Betrayal, uh, sexual abuse, right? All these things. So what benefit to those things does being resilient have? So questionary, are you talking about when those events are happening? Are you, or are you talking about the effect of those events on your life later? All of the above, right? So you have an event, you have something everybody's had a series of something that's occurred to them in life, yep. right? And I, th I guess what, what we're talking about is the benefit of having a resilient emotional outlook. So you said we're, we're talking about emotional resilience. And I like to make sure that the audience has actionable things, right? That they can do when they leave for that. So I want to be just really clear and go down into the dirt of the matter. So when is resilience important? It, it, to me, it's not important if everything is going well in life, right? Resilience is not as important if everything is going a-okay. It's only really important when we're challenged. And so that's what I'm getting to you is what are the benefits of resilience in your personal, your life, right? Yep. When you've had all of these tragedies, all these experiences of life. Yep. So if I go back to why is it important? So I talked about the health stuff. Um, it also has a big um, impact on how we function um, intellectually. So one of the physiological things when we're feeling stressed is the thinking part of our brain doesn't function as well. So having resilience and being able to stay calm um, to draw back to you in the moment, something's happening. How do I, why is it an advantage? is in the moment, if you are feeling stressed, the functioning part of your thinking part of the brain is impaired. So that is often when people make um, decisions that may not be for their best. And they also may do things like, um, I don't know, just say that there's a, there's a stress at work. They may act and yell at somebody at work or act in a way that they would prefer not to because they're acting out of that emotional state. So in the moment, um, it's important because it's um, keeping you more in that logical state and you are more likely to respond in a way that is better for you short and long 
too. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just break down your answer in physiological terms a little bit, right? So yes. stress triggers your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system to go into fight or flight. Yep. When you're in fight or flight, all of the blood goes from the main part of your organs into your extremities so that you can run, so that you can flee, so that you can do something other than or stop other than processing food, processing nutrients. You're not doing any of that stuff. You're, you're no longer processing in your organs. You're literally in fight or flight. When you're Spot in on. that state at a regular chronic level, you become in chronic pain. You, be, you begin to develop chronic stress levels. You're talking about resilience as a mediating factor to these stress levels. Right. So the, the resilience, emotional resilience is techniques and tools that you could use to, I, I would imagine, to breathe, to meditate, to do things, to calm that central nervous system so that you're not in fight or flight. Am I correct at all the things that I've said so far? Translated you, you are, to words. You, you are spot on. Um, it may be beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. Am I missing anything? Um, well, what I'm going to do with your permission is break it down a little bit more and talk about how I work with people, because I think that may be give a little bit more. I'd clarity. rather not do that first, because I okay. don't want to talk about how you work with people, right? Okay. I, I'm, I'm not so much interested in how we work with people as much as the, the direct benefits. So at the moment of what is it that resilience is what it does, how it works in the body physiologically. And then we could go to some tips and tricks and things that people can do in order to get into a state of resilience instead of a state of stress or a state, yep. a state of fight or flight. Okay. So down and dirty on the deep part of what benefits we get from resilience. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that the blood is now going to rush back into the organs. The body is going to start going, moving into a homeostasis place. What benefit does that give the body? Um, it means that it functions the way it's, it's supposed to. So a good example is um, the gut and the digestive system. So it depends, it changes and it's different the way it sort of, and as I said, please, please, I, I am not medically trained. I'm resilience life coach, health, health coach trained. So please don't take this as medical advice. Um, but one of the common things that people experience when they're going through prolonged stress is issues with their digestion. And that can be all different parts of, of your digestion from the top part where you get reflux and, and heartburn way down to um irritable bowel and, and that sort of stuff. So your whole digestive system. Um, one of the things that happens when people are stressed is this, this area can be really affected. So it means that you're um, in less comfort because some of those things are really uncomfortable and unpleasant. Um, and it can mean that your body's not working properly to digest and to take up the nutrients of your food so hence the the health size of it so digestion is just one of them but it's probably one of the most common yeah. ones it also living in that fight or flight does things like your immune system doesn't 
work as well. So you're not able to fight off infections as well. So the, in, in essence, the functioning of those core organs in your body that are, that are the vital organs for your body running well don't work as well because there's less blood flow in them. Because if you go back to the origins of the stress response, as you said, like the fight or flight, it is the body going, okay, I'm in a life or death situation. What's the best chance of me surviving this life or death situation? So if you think back caveman times, walk around a corner, there's a saber-toothed tiger, your body, it's, very, it's actually a really cool body system and it makes a lot of sense in that I need to get out of this in the moment, Go, my blood flow go to my arms and legs so I can fight, flight or freeze best to, to give me the best chance of survival. But modern life, there's very few life or death situations, maybe a car crash, maybe, maybe I don't know, you come across somebody in the street who has ill intent. But really in, in the scheme of everyday life now, there's very few in the moment life or death. So your body's reacting though as if you are, right. which... It means that, yeah, the functioning of those core things that keep you healthy and well and keep the body functioning well don't work as well. So does resilience fade through time? And if so, how could somebody consistently practice resilience so that it doesn't fade, so that it actually builds? It's an interesting question, the fading. I think it, it, may, it requires, in order for it to be retained, some sort of consistent practice and some sort of consistent awareness of it. So um, I'm not sure if that answers whether it fades, but it requires that ongoing thing. If somebody consistently is doing things in their life to help it, I, I can't imagine it would fade. It obviously gets tested to various degrees at different stages and you mentioned some examples so people are going through a marriage breakup they've lost their job they've been um having a health concern yeah it gets tested to different stages but i can't imagine it would fade on its own what was the second part of your question Aaron? the second part is consistent practices that help to build resilience and also um is there a point where resilience becomes a bad thing or a negative thing? Like persistence can become obsession, right? So I could be persistent or I could be obsessive about something. Can resilience have a bad point or a negative connotation to it? It's interesting. It's, it's something I've never contemplated. Um, my gut says I don't think so, but I've never contemplated it. Um, if you go back, like I said, there's very few people in the world who are who live in a state of Zen. There's a handful. So maybe like a, a yogi in India or, or in a Buddhist monastery somewhere or, or somewhere, they're, they're often able to, to deal with things like um, physical stresses or, or that sort of stuff. I, I, I Yeah, I can't imagine there's a bad side to it but to be honest you've asked a really good question because it's not something I've ever thought about so my gut says no there's not a bad side to it bad side to <laughs> resilience no so yeah, how is so. uh how is resilience related to mental health then if if there's no like bad side to it how is it related to mental health very closely related um so if you're able to stay in that state of calm and able to process things and not 
There's a difference between appearing to be calm and appearing to deal with things well versus actually being calm. There's a lot of people who put on very good facades, especially in places like corporate world. Um, but actually in yourself being able to stay calm when things go on, yeah, it's, it's, it, it means that you are better able to cope with the things in your, in your life without it adversely affecting you, as I said before. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you for a second because I, I keep hearing something said in a way that, that kind of strikes me. It appears to me that your version of resilience is actually just a, a, a version of meditation or stress relief or calm and not necessarily resilience. So it's to me, I'll just, you know, go to me. Resilience is something crappy happens and I'm going to bounce back and it may take me a little bit, but I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to adapt to this situation. I may not be calm through it. I may not be, okay. not, I may not be no stress about it. I may have a ton of stress, not be calm at all but I'm resilient and I will bounce back and I will make headway and I will get ahead. Right. So that's, yep. that's where I, I, I guess I'm struggling in, internally on the definition because it doesn't sound like we have the same definition of resilience. The definition I'm hearing is one of like meditation and calm. Like it's part of it, but like the part that you just said with your example, um, part of what I talk about is um, mindset. So the stuff you're talking about is mindset, is things happen in life. How am I going to um, mentally process that and deal with that in a way that is going to give me the best outcome long term? So I do cover that. We just haven't covered that in this conversation. Okay. Um, that sounds like strategy, still not resiliency to me. That sounds like a strategy for resiliency. Right. Mindset is a strategy, but it is also extremely practical. So, for example, to go back to you talking about um, something happens. So just say, I don't know, you're walking along the street and you, you get mugged. Um, that's a, a, a real stressor in, in your life. And it's something where you can mindset, you can go into to victim mode and woe is me and I'm so unlucky and the world's out to get me. Or you can do, like you said, um, go, okay, well, that sucked. Um, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So it might be replace the credit cards. It might be whatever. Um, and in the end, is there anything that this is actually given to me, which is an interesting twist on bad things in life? I've done that a lot with people who have long-term effects because of trauma. But um and please don't do that with other people. If you do that with somebody else and you're not really careful how you do it, you'll get them offside very quickly. But that's a, a side point. Um, but in yourself, if you look at that, something like I've been mugged and you go, okay, yes, it sucked, but I need to do X, Y, and Z. And I may need to have medical or, or emotional care, X, Y, and Z. But if I do that and if I go through these steps of, of processing it and talking about it and changing my perspective on it and maybe going, okay, well, what did it, did it actually teach me something? Did it teach me how to handle myself in really difficult situations? 
um, it can actually, that mindset shift can make a huge difference. And probably one of the most common examples I see of this is are in leaders of businesses. The reason I say that is leading a business is um, something where your resilience is tested constantly. You're generally in charge of people who you have various relationships with. You're working with stakeholders. So that could be customers, um, employees, suppliers, um, possibly shareholders, plus a, possibly a board of director. You're dealing with market forces that change all the time and, and are often largely out of your control. And I could go on that being ahead of a business is extremely testing to your resilience. So by developing your resilience and you look at any of the really good leaders in the world, they are able to, um, over a long period of time, to look at those challenges that come up and be able to handle them in a way that gives the, the, them and the organisation the best chance of, of dealing with and moving beyond those stresses. So, yes, I agree with you that, that meditation and that sort of stuff is part of it, but it's also how you actually deal with those, those things that, that come up because, as you, you're absolutely right, everybody goes through issues and it changes the individual what the issue is, but... Yeah, it's, it's also being able to deal with that and for it to not be a long-term issue and not to be something that long-term is going to be detrimental to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or less likely to be detrimental? Absolutely. So I just went and I looked up the, the actual definition of the word. So I just wanted to, I wanted to kind of come to a place where we could get to this the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, the often remarkable resilience of so many British institutions. That's the sentence that goes with it. The ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Nylon is an excellent wearability and resilience. So it bounces back into shape. So if resilience kind of means bouncing back into shape, right? Toughness, being able to go back to where you were after being stretched, right? Um, let, me, let me ask you another question that is, is one I, I just thought of. Um, is resilience good if it puts you right back into the shape you were in or do we want resilience to remold and reshape us into a more opportune, op, you know, opportune version of like, let's say we're a rubber band, right? So we pull a rubber band, it bounces back to where it was. Eventually it either gets brittle or it snaps, right? Yep. We want to be able to stretch without snapping, so yep. to speak. To me, that's what resilience is, is the stretch without the snap. So it's a really, really good question. Um, you want to, as a human being, be constantly developing and growing. So if you take the thing of go back to the way you were before, you want to be able to, okay, I've dealt with this. We'll go back to the, the being mugged situation. Right. Um, I want to be able to deal with this particular awful event in my life um, to be able to better handle the next 
thing that happens in my life. Um, so, yeah, I, one of the goals of life is always to be constantly growing and developing and, yeah, building our resilience means that we are more likely to the next stressor that happens in our life be able to handle it um, better. You know, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about it. In martial arts, you hit something long enough and your bones become like flexible steel. The matrix inside of the bone actually becomes like a, this massively strong web and it forges your bones into a flexible, like steel substance. It strengthens, creates yep. the flexibility so that it snaps less, you know, it doesn't break as easily and so on. And it takes a lot of hitting, a lot of, a lot of pounding, a lot of damage to create that much strength. A lot of forging. If we, we look at just like the ancient steel swords, it was like 600 folds of, of hammer and fold and hammer and fold to strengthen that steel. So resilience is a lot about being able to go through the fire, being forged, so to speak. So when resilience fails, what should somebody do? I mean, it, let's say you've been forged and then all of a sudden you, you just get like cooled too quick and you shatter a little bit right now what how do we get back to that resilient place we we just were well um when i took go back to when i talked about the two parts of the resilience is there are times when when we're not in zen and our resilience is tested so self-awareness is the first part of it because i find so many people aren't even aware that that their resilience is being tested and that emotional outburst or whatever is going on has come from that place of, of um, a lack of resilience and not being in that state of, of calm. So self-awareness is a huge part of it, of being able to spot it in yourself. I mean, that's, you talk about mental health, that's a lot of mental health stuff is you can't overturn something and, and make it better unless you're aware of it. So self-awareness is definitely a huge part. And then it's a case of knowing yourself and knowing what is what is it that I need in the moment. So I'll take another example that, that causes people stress. Marriage breakups, very, very common one, but it's often for a lot of people one of the most stressful events in their life. So people, when they're going through marriage breakups, can sometimes behave in ways that they really objectively later wouldn't have liked to. So... I don't know, there can be all sorts of examples of that with outbursts and, and yeah, stuff that's not disclosed that should be and all sorts of things. Um, Recognising that I'm not working from my best state at the moment um, and knowing yourself enough so that you can do things to bring yourself back to a good state. Does that mean I need to take um, a week off, off work and be by myself to reset? Does it mean I have to, I would, I want to seek outside help, whether that is um, talking to friends, talking to um, a counsellor, um, being, being kind of self-aware and taking those steps needed in order to get yourself back to calm. And that's going to be very individual for different people. That's just a right. couple of examples like the take time off. Or, yeah. Right. 
So let me uh, let me take this down the darker path that we we started talking in our pre-interview a little bit about um, the pressure cooker that is the world right now, <laughs> and um, you know we we both had some thoughts about this pressure cooker. That's how I describe it. I describe the world right now is basically we're like trapped and they're trapping us more, trying to keep us contained more. And uh, it's a pressure cooker and eventually, you know, we're gonna explode. And um, that's just the nature of a pressure cooker. So without getting to the deep pain of war, the deep pain of brutal, you know, civil unrest. What can we do now to build personal resilience and then group resilience around the concept of what we're going through as, as a world? Um, you know, you and I talked a, lot, a little bit about it, but I'd like, I'd like the audience to hear some of what you had said. Yep. Um, it's such an enormous issue at the moment. So in terms of your own personal resilience, um, knowing yourself, spotting when it's being tested, really listening to your own inner voice of what you need and taking steps to help yourself. So even if I'm, I'm in Victoria in Australia and we've been one of the most locked down parts of the world um, and yes what you can what you are allowed to do is a lot or legally allowed to do is a lot more restricted mm -hmm. um, but there's still things that you can do in yourself so again it goes back to the knowing yourself being self-aware and actually making yourself a priority and taking those steps to help yourself so for me for example um walking's a big one so taking time and making sure i allocate time to actually go for a walk i have bushland near me um and spend some time in nature and and that sort of stuff so that's from a personal side um and having and there's without going too much into rabbit holes, there's some things that are happening that are really concerning for, for people. I like rabbit holes. <laughs> I, like I don't rabbit want to go holes. too rabbit much down to But there's some things that are majorly concerning for people um, in terms, as you said, of their, their civil rights, their body sovereignty, their, um, their ability to be able to earn a living for some people. Um, I mean, if you were working in the travel industry over the last year, your ability to earn a living would have been seriously affected. Um, knowing in yourself and taking steps in yourself to bring, bring yourself back to the stasis. And I often find it's very easy, and I've seen a lot of it in this, in this, in this environment, of one, either bury your head in the sand and almost hand over your decisions and your thinking process to someone else. I've seen a lot of people do that. Um, I'm sort of trying to work out how to actually put this. Um, it's almost like the most resilient people I see are often the people who've gone through bad stuff and they see the bad stuff. So they see some of the, the very concerning patterns that are going on 
and they're trying to operate from a place of keeping themselves okay and to sound a little bit woohoo to operate from a place of love and look at people who are who may because there's been one thing that's happened in in this environment is a lot of division and a lot of people talk about cancel culture and that sort of stuff a lot of um tensions with people who there weren't previously tensions with so the people from my perspective who I see handling this with the most kind of logical go back to the word zen kind of way they they they're aware of in themselves they see the patterns of what's going on um, and they're coming from that place of um, love and sometimes from that place of um of action in terms of dealing with it. So there's certain legal people in the world. There's 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 people who are really seriously fighting this. So though, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Not really, um, but it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get <laughs> we'll get there. So we we we've worked around the rabbit hole. We we yeah. now want to dive into the rabbit hole. So so stop beating around the bush. Just go into <laughs> the rabbit hole where where you really want to speak from. <laughs> You and I talked about this. I know what you had said to me. Yeah. Yeah. So which particular rabbit hole are you referring to? Well, we're talking about pressure cooker. We're talking about resilience, right? So the pressure cooker is that the world is locking us up. And if we don't do something as a person, as an individual, and as a community together, we're going to explode, right? So um, if I'm going to try to avoid the explosion or at least limit the amount of explosion and steam that can come out, then what am I going to do to be resilient? What am I going to do in order as a community to let off the steam without it becoming a violent expression? Yep. Um, again, I'm going to go back to the knowing yourself, developing your own self-resilience. Right. So with, with um, the knowing yourself part. Yep. There's a lot of people who have never heard that statement. They've never heard the statement of becoming self-aware. That yep. would be that would be woo-woo enough for somebody. They don't. They've never heard. I want to. Why they? Like, they've never seen a mirror and seen it as something other than a place to take a selfie, right? So there, there's an awareness of self-awareness that doesn't exist, I think, for a lot of people. Like a majority of people have no idea what self-awareness is. So I want to take you away from that term and just like let's define that out so that somebody who's listening who doesn't maybe know what that means can say, okay, I want to become whatever that is that she just said. What do yep. I do to do that? And why is it that I'm not that? <laughs> so often it takes an outside person to help you with this process, not for everybody. Um, but this is where coaches and, and um, co coaches are different to counsellors in that they will do similar to what you're doing is a little bit of challenge and, and push outside of comfort zones. I yeah. notice that you're doing that. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> I can tell. Um Often for somebody who is really unaware, having an outside person will help them develop that in themselves. But um, 
so being self-aware is things like knowing your triggers, knowing your automatic reactions, realizing that that is actually a choice. You actually choose to do that, whether you're conscious of it or not. Um, it's having the realization that just because I think it doesn't make it real. Um, because we always have this constant voice going around in our head just because we think it doesn't mean it's the reality. So um, people can develop in themselves and there's there's ways to do that. But for a lot of people, especially somebody who, as you said, the, the selfie, um, yeah, if they want to develop that, it often would take a coach and an outside person to actually help help them develop that in themselves. And why would they do that? Mm -hmm. It means that they can react Add my own question there. It means that they can react more from um, more from what is true to themselves and what they really want in their soul, rather than from automatic response. So, for example, mentioned before, there's a lot of division happening now. Um, most people, um, and it probably sounds woohoo, but my theory is most people want love and connection in their life. And there's things that happen that mean that they push that away. But at, their, at our core, most people want love and connection. But if you are reacting with, um, so just say there's somebody who has a different opinion to you or is reacting to what's going on in a different way to you, and your reaction to them is aggression and disapproval and judgment, you're acting from either a triggers, a habitual response, a state of fear. Um, there's all sorts of reasons why people are doing that at the moment. I mean, yeah. If they, if they were self-aware, they would be aware that that's what they're doing, that they're maybe not reacting in a way that is a true coherence with who right. in their core they want to be. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this to Facebook. Right, we're going to oh, Facebook gosh. now, and uh, somebody has written another something about something that just I just am just so triggered by. Urgh. How do I do what you just said? I don't um, want to cancel culture and I don't want to be the person who's triggered. So I'm going to start attacking that person on their, on their own post. Right. So, Facebook's such a good example. Of what this do I, what do I so do? Much. What do I do? Yeah. I'm um, so triggered. It's interesting. Cause I had this happen to me recently and my response to it was there's too much of this. Um, my life's too short. And I stopped using Facebook. I use it for a little bit of, um, is, and it wasn't the first time. It was just like the final straw. Um, I use it for, for posting my business stuff, but otherwise I pretty much don't use it anymore. So, yeah, it, it's it's about what, what I did was go, okay, there is no point arguing with this person or stating my point again. Because no, I'm, talking not, about, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person who's triggered who by your post you post something okay i'm triggered by your post yep i do to not be the person that is trolling to not be the person that is just reacting to every post that i don't agree with that you know like yep. that's actually becoming self-aware 
and saying, holy crap, I just got triggered by some random person's post and I don't, I'm not going to do what I normally do and you know, shout my you know, trigger all over the other person. I'm going to be resilient. I'm gonna figure out why this trigger is triggering me and I'm gonna figure out what's causing me to have that reaction, right? So the question that I'm asking you is, how does somebody go about realizing that they're being, that they are the troll, realizing that like, if everybody's the troll, everybody, because you're the troll for your opinion, right? So if you're the troll for your opinion and you're doing something where you want to cancel or you want to cut off or you want to stop the trigger, right? So, yep. so here's my thing. I don't want to stop the trigger. I want to stop my response to the trigger. That's how okay. I want to be resilient because yep. there's going to be triggers for my whole life that I'm not going to be able to stop, right? So I want to be resilient and I want to stop my reaction to the triggers. Go. So I guess why I went to me is because that's exactly what I did. So um, I was triggered by her response and I went, okay, and try to work from that logical part of the brain. How can I respond to this? Well, one response is, is attack back. Um, and obviously that's you're saying what you don't want to do. Right. And work, okay, so what's a better solution to this? Is this something that I need to um, process in some way by, by talking to somebody who comes from the same path as me? Um, do I need to scribble it down in a journal? Process it in a way that you're not operating out of that emotional triggered state because to me that's the key. If you're acting on almost like survival type emotions, which I think is what's happening with a lot of these tensions that are going on. Um, people have their map of the world, which may be very, very different to person X who's responded to the Facebook post. Um, basically working in a way that you can process that you're not working from that emotional state so again if we're going to talk about the example with me what I did was back off and not respond mm -hmm. and yes I was emotionally triggered but pretty much went through a, a process in myself of almost decoding decoding it and I didn't journal I actually mentally processed it myself and and probably talked a little bit out loud to myself and, and that sort of stuff so process it in a way that you're not working from that emotionally triggered state because right. that emotionally triggered state, you're not going to work in the most logical way. Yeah. And I'm, so just gonna, you... I'm just going to add one thing to that is typically taking yourself out of it like a third person. So treating yourself like, like you're a third person in the situation. Yep. Why, did, why, does, Ari, why does Ari feel that way? Why does Ari feel that way? <laughs> so you're seeing yourself from an outside perspective. Right. Yep. 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 Um, it's a good point. And once you're not emotionally enmeshed in it, you can then go logically, what's my next, next best step? So for me, I was triggered, emotionally processed it and go, well, what's the best way forward? And my conclusion was, well, am I actually achieving anything by continuing using Facebook? And, and I just went, no. So my logical reaction was, my life's too short. I don't need this rubbish. And walked away. And I mean, that can apply to so many different things. Um, 
My gosh, it's so highlighted, as you said, by what's going on at the moment. There is division and cancelling of if you have a different opinion to me, you're therefore less of a person or whatever, which is just, I don't know, it just goes so against what people want to do in their souls. And I know I sound probably woohoo and idealistic, but really in the end, we don't want to be treating other people badly. Um, it's an emotive reaction that really at our soul we wouldn't want to do. Right. So unfortunately, that seems to be the case for at least, you know, like half of the culture this, these days is like, is if you don't agree with every single thought that I had and, and going back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, if at ever any point in time, you did not agree with the thought that I have now, I must cancel you because I can't be around anything that isn't exactly the same as the way that I feel. Now, that to me is the antithesis of resilience, the antithesis of adaptability, right? It's what the exact mean? opposite, saying that the, the whole culture of cancel culture, if I can't have you exactly the way I want you, then you're going to be gone, right? That so you're culture, saying that is or isn't resilient? It's the antithesis. It's the exact okay. opposite of, okay. resilience, of resilience. To yep. me, resilience is it doesn't matter what you believe. I can still be your friend. I can still have a conversation with you. I can still love you no matter what. I don't have to agree with every word you say, but I'm I'm resilient in my open mind and my thinking. I'm resilient in my body. If I get injured, I'm going to bounce back and I'm going to train and I'm going to get better. I'm not going to let that injury take me out of life, right? So yep. that that's resilience to me is the is that that core bouncing back. There is no resilience in cancel culture. There's no oh. resilience. There's no strength. There's no power. There's no nothing in cancel culture. It's the, the most intense form, in my opinion, of weakness of human nature that human nature could ever produce. Yep. And, and, and as we both said, we're seeing a lot of it at the moment. And I think it's a sign of people. Yeah. Now, now I get what you're talking about. You, it is a sign of people not being resilient and then being really pressured by what's actually going on externally that that's they feel like it's it's not in their control or they feel fearful or yeah right so so then the question becomes with all of the bombardment of society these days how does somebody stay in that state of resilience right how does somebody stay there so that they can actually be a contributing factor to the world versus somebody who's sucked up by the world yep so the first side is if you are feeling so being the self-awareness as i've said and if you are feeling triggered having things to bring yourself back to calm um and i'm quite happy to share those with your audience too so there's certain absolutely. ways okay so um different things work for different people but there are certain they talk to the physiological stress response help to reset your physiology back to 
to a state of calm. So things like deep belly breathing, um, where you sit upright and you're breathing very slowly from the bottom of your lungs. And you can tell you're doing that because your belly goes in and out. Um, and you can do just a couple of minutes of that and that will reset the physiological response. Um, there's a series of other ones. My favourite one is actually, I call it giving yourself a hug. So you do this and it actually physiologically changes you back to a state of calm. Um, I, I, I say it feels like a warm hug from grandma. <laughs> there's all sorts of other ones um, as well that bring yourself back to calm so you yeah. can. I know like, rolling out the ears does that a little bit. Oh, I don't know that one. So in, uh, in Brain Gym, there's this technique for thinking caps because your whole body is represented in your ears the same way as in your hands, the same way as in your feet in reflexology. This looks like a baby in the womb, right? And so yeah. all of these points are points that relate to your body. And so if you roll out your, your, uh, your ears, it, it magically touches a button. And, uh, and helps with, with that. The one that I tell all of my autistic uh, parents, parents of autistic kids, is right about here, there's like a notch. Thymus? And on that thymus, yeah. If you tap slowly, like a heartbeat, 42 yep. times it basically will calm the anxiety response of uh, a child who's going through an autistic, like yep. anxiety attack. Um, that's, a, that's a good one for, for autistic kids because mom and dad can do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interest, there's, there's a whole range of them. Um, my favorite one for people who are in positions where they're surrounded by people. And so if you do this or you do this, it's pretty obvious you're doing something. So the one that I tell people to go to if they're surrounded by people and they don't want people around them to realize they're doing something is when you feel stressed, your mouth dries up. And most people can um, Pick, realize this. So things like public speaking, most people, when they're nervous about public speaking, they find that their mouth's dry. It's a physiological reaction to as part of the whole stress, fight or flight. If you um, stop yourself from swallowing your saliva, let it build up and swirl it around in your mouth, that's telling the body that I'm not in this life or death situation and bring you back to calm. That's my favorite for people who are surrounded by, by other people so like they're in a boardroom meeting or yeah, whatever awesome. yeah but there's a whole range of them so that's the first part recognizing bring yourself back to calm but there's also a lot of lifestyle things that you can do that means that you are more able to react from this state and with what's happened over the last um, 18 months I wonder how much of this is related so the lifestyle things, I mean, you mentioned meditation and mindfulness. Right. They're definitely part of it. Um, but your basic, your three health basics of, of sleep, diet, and exercise have an enormous difference. So um, if I do sleep as an example, most people, when they're feeling stressed, 
one of the first things that gets affected is their quality or quantity of sleep. So they have the racing mind or they wake up lots or they're wide awake at four o'clock in the morning and can't get back to sleep. Um, so if you're stressed, your sleep's affected. At the flip is also the case that if you're, you haven't had a good night's sleep, you're less able to handle stresses as they come in your life. Right. So it works both ways. So there are so many things that help build your ability to deal with other things in, in your life. So as I said, sleep, diet, exercise, um, connections with other people, um, ways of processing the things going around um, in your head. So one of my favourite for people who are, who are triggered a lot and are feeling a lot emotional is um, fears and resentment journaling. Mm -hmm. So um, this is, this is a, a technique that I kind of picked up from a lady who I follow um, on, on YouTube. That's basically, a, it's a way of almost like a brain dump and a processing of what am I fearful of, what am I resentful of, and by actually physically recording them in a journal, you're getting yourself out of that um, emotionally triggered state putting it onto the paper and it's almost like a relief process. So things like gratitude journaling are fantastic, but if you're feeling really, really triggered, you mm -hmm. almost need kind of both. Yeah. I find that yeah. gratitude journals are great. If you're feeling gratitude, if you're not feeling gratitude, they suck. And that's, and that's that whole, why, yeah. that whole concept of doing gratitude when you're not feeling gratitude to me is, is a misnomer because you have to go through the crap in order to get to the shine and the gratitude comes only from going through the crap right so if you're not willing to do that step then yeah. you're just faking yourself as far as the gratitude journals go you you're making a really good point because one thing that i see um in people i've got some some people who who I've come across in my life who are, are love and light people they're gorgeous people but they're love and light and everything's got a positive spin and I don't want to hear about or talk about the negative yeah what that means is often they I find that 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 doesn't really in the end fix anything right avoidance, to, avoidance is always the greatest of uh, ways to avoid fixing yeah. anything what you'll generally find is it'll show in other ways. So it'll show, so just say they have a huge, they've had a huge trauma in their life and they go, I'm all love and light, I'm not processing or looking at that. It'll generally show, and this is, this is yeah, it'll show in other ways. So things like illnesses or, or, yeah, some sort of other dysfunction. So in order to actually move beyond something authentically and sustainably, and again, resiliently, is to actually, it's almost like look the monster in the face. Um, a lot of spiritual people will call it shadow work. So, so working through the sides of yourself that you you generally don't want to see, they're uncomfortable to see. Um, and by actually working through those, you're actually able to move beyond them. So I agree with you in terms of the, the gratitude journaling. If you're in a deep, dark place, Gratitude journaling is not the go-to. You know, it's funny. This saying just popped in my head just now. The saying is, if the only thing you see is the light, then you 
are the shadow. Ooh, that's interesting. So you said that's a quote. Yeah, I just made it up. Oh, there you go. Well, we'll have to write that down and put, put it in, in the history books, but you're right. I, I agree is, with you. My team will take care of that. But <laughs> the, the, the reason why I say that is because every time I've done shadow work, I'm the light doing my shadow work, right? So I'm shining a light into the shadows, right? But if all I see is light, there's no contrast. That makes me the contrast. I'm the shadow. So it's just kind of interesting that because in that new age world, you know, so many people want to be enlightened. So many people, I want to be enlightened. I want to be enlightened. I want to be enlightened. I want to raise my vibration. I want to go up. I want to higher, higher, right? Frequency, higher this, higher that. But we're human and we're, we're like, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. So why do we continually want to die and go back to spirit instead of live in this human body that we're in? And so that's where I, I go like, okay, so um, yeah, I don't want to get that enlightened, you know, like I'll do that when I'm dead. Right now, I want to get really, really, really good at living this life and turning those shadows into light. It's, it's such a good point. Um, I think a lot of people avoid it. One, they're either not aware of it or they, it's, it's scary and confronting to, to go through shadow work. If you look at a lot of people um, who, who are spiritual teachers, so there's a, there's a lady called Christina Lopes who I, who I um, follow fairly closely. Um, she's a spiritual coach and a spiritual teacher. Her and a lot of other spiritual teachers will talk about the stages of a spiritual awakening. And a major part of that is, um, they call it dark night of the soul, which is basically you're working through your shadow. You're almost living in your shadow in order to, and it's only by working through that that you actually go to the next stages of the spiritual awakening. Um, but it is hard. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's hard for a lot of people. They will choose the, um, I'll go well, do something choose, that's. Yeah, they choose the easy route of living mundane lives instead of going through the, the hard, you know, route of living in a, a fantastic life. Or, or they'll, they'll live the pain-killing life. Right. So well, it's not the pain kill. See, that, that to me is the misnomer. I think well, that the people who are who are not challenging themselves to go through it are the people who are suffering the most in mediocrity. Probably. So, for example, um, there, are, there are things that you can do that in the moment may feel good, but in the end, they're really not good for you. So obvious things are things like... Um, Cake. alcohol in excess sorry cake 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 candy pizza yeah. um there's things that that in in small amounts are absolutely they're fine but to excess and for them to be emotional go-to and pain-killing in the moment it might be okay but long term it's really not the best for you there's um that's where a lot of people go to and it takes it takes 
more of a level of bravery bravery and more of a level of self-empowerment to actually go, no, that isn't the reaction that I want. And more of a level of looking for what's the, if you take the cake and, and the food stuff as an example, it's your perception of pleasure and pain. So are you focusing on the, oh, I'm eating this salad, I really hate salad, it's just horrible eating salad and I don't think that way. But um, if you're focusing on why this thing that you're doing that's that's meant to be good for your body you're, is painful, you're very unlikely to actually stick to it. I love you know? salad. <laughs> so yummy. Whereas if you focus on, oh, this, this pizza is making me feel so good, um, which I don't think people physically do that. But anyway, if they're focusing on the pleasure is on the eating, they're, they're, they're less likely to be able to sustain the change long term. Whereas if they go, okay, um, I'm eating this salad, what that means is my body's getting the nutrients it needs. It means that I'm dropping these extra extra weight that I want to drop, blah, blah, blah. And they're focusing on the, the pleasure of the good outcome. It's a Tony Robbins thing that the pleasure and pain Mm-hmm. concept but I think yeah. it's actually really really true it's like if you look at rich people and you feel resentful towards them when you try and get rich yourself you're subconsciously going to go I'm going to be a bad person if I'm rich and you will subconsciously you won't even be aware of it most of the time sabotage yourself there's so many things like yeah. that in life absolutely yeah. so let's kind of wrap up resilience in this world with like three tips and tricks you haven't used that you use with your clients. And um, so it's something that people can do today to start activating their vision for a better world, meaning they want to create a new tomorrow. Something in this life is going to trigger them. It's going to stop them. It's going to slow them down. It's going to be a barrier in their way. We want them to have resilience so that they can activate their vision for a better world. Give them yep. three things that they can do immediately yep so i would say to develop your self-awareness so you can do that in various ways i mean i've mentioned it several times through you can develop in several ways so things like mindfulness practices are really good for developing your self-awareness so for example mindfulness meditation means that um, just say you're triggered and you're feeling stressed um, there are certain physiological reactions that happen in your body most people aren't aware of them um, either body or mentally, if you develop mindfulness, um, then you're better able to spot that in yourself. So that would be the first thing is is a mindfulness practice. And it can be mindfulness meditation. It can be consciously doing things that you would do on automatic pilot. It could be, as I mentioned, I go for walks in nature, consciously tuning into all of the bird sounds. And so mindfulness would be the first one. So with the aim of being aware of what's happened, because I always run with the theory of you can't overturn or stop something unless you're aware of it. So it's always the the starting point. The second thing I would say is have a look in those things in your life that are um, that need tweaking, that need work on them that are better for your well-being long term. So as I said, things like sleep, diet, exercise, relationships, work-life balance, um, have, have almost do like a real thought process of, okay, what do I really need to work on here? Um, 
And I mentioned sleep kind of repeatedly because it's one of the most common ones that's a problem for people. Um, and it's not just about quantity, it's also about the quality, quality right. of the sleep. Yeah, there, so that's the second five, yeah, there are five cycles that people need to go through every single night. And most people get two of those. Okay. Two of those cycles. And those cycles are what puts you into that deep REM sleep where you actually are producing human growth hormone, which means that you're recovering from stress, you're building your muscle tissue, you're um, repairing scar, you know, scar tissue and damage that you've done to yourself. So all of those things happen during this one particular cycle of sleep. And you need to have five of those in order to have proper physiological function. And most people are getting approximately two of those a night. I'm preaching to the conversion diary. Well, hey. <laughs> and you said for a, th a third tip, I would say to go through and work on those subconscious things. So we, we touched on that a bit with the shadow work, but most people to various degrees have things that have happened. They're, they're subconscious things that are automatic reactions in your life. And they're often established around those first seven years of your life. So what I mean by that is things like um, beliefs, values, um, perceptions, there are automatic things that that people have in their life actually really do that work and uncover them and and if i'm working with people one on one with coaching i talk about the three levels and pretty much the three tips i've just gone through are level 1 level 2 level 3 mm -hmm. the the level 3 is where when i'm coaching with people i spend the bulk of the time because they're the things that people aren't generally aware of they're normally right. subconscious and they're things that have an enormous effect on our life and the way we handle and respond to things. So working through those subconscious things, uh, my gosh, it's it can be absolutely life-changing. Um, yeah, so just say, I'll give an example because I'm talking fairly high level. So just say you have a inner core belief that you're not um, you're not capable. Um, which a lot of people actually have. It's like an inner core belief of they're not, they're not good enough. Um, that actually uncovering that and working on it and overturning it over over period of time can be, I'm not exaggerating when I say it can be absolutely life-changing. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you greatly. And uh where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more? Yep. So my website's um, a really good sort of start go-to. So um, my, I'm sure in the show notes you'll have my full name. Um, so it's just jodywalkerling.com. Um, so my website, um, if you're on LinkedIn, I'm fairly active on, on LinkedIn. So you can look Jody Walkling up on LinkedIn and, and message me that way. Um, I've for anybody who's in kind of leadership positions, I've got a book that's um, about, I'm not sure what your lead time is on shows, Ari, we're um, currently mid-September now. So probably in the next week or so that will be released. Um, so if you're interested in getting a copy of, of that, uh, there's a offshoot. Yeah, we'll have that link. Out. We'll have that link down below. Yep. 
Beautiful. Awesome. So yeah, website's definitely the place. And if you want to chat to me, there's there's spots in there that you can um, reach out to to have a, a complimentary starting chat. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. This has been another great episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and uh, I just wish you all activating your vision for a better world, creating a new tomorrow for yourself and those around us. Let's get moving on this, people. Solutions are up. It's time for them. Let's engage. Contact me. Subscribe. Comment. Play with me. Hang out. Let's let's uh, change the world together. <laughs>